Hello friends of the internet, both old and new, welcome, 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 as the podcasting deity Scrubius Pip might say. This is Bitchin' Brew, a podcast about music, life and everything in between. I am your host Danny Randon and this is episode number 25, uh, something which would be considered a milestone by many, including myself, reaching uh, 25 episodes. And so it seems only fitting that my guest for this is from another massive band. We've had a really solid run of huge guests recently, and, and this definitely adds to that. My guest for this episode is Sam Douglas, who many of you will probably know either through being a fan of his work or uh, simply by looking at the fucking title and artwork of this podcast. Uh, Sam is the bassist and, as of earlier this year, lead singer of the British rock band Mallory Knox. Uh, This one was a really exciting one for me. I've been a huge fan of the band uh, since their EP Pilot came out, what, about seven or eight years ago now, I think, Um, when they were kind of coming up at the same time as bands like Lower Than Atlantis and Death Havana, Um, I suppose, you know, as well as their more sort of underground, heavier contemporaries, bands like Hilda May. Um, and I suppose you could throw bands like Polar and Feed the Rhino into that mix of uh, of bands coming up around the same time as Mallory Knox too. I was into all that scene, really. And um, they've obviously rounded their edges a little bit and become, and become more radio-friendly uh, since that EP. But I don't think there's necessarily been a reduction in the quality of the music coming from Mallory Knox. Um, I think I mentioned this on the 2003 special last week that I think Mallory Knox are rather unfairly lumped in with a certain wave of uh, Brit rock bands, I suppose you could call them, who have had less and less to do with uh, the rock scene over time and uh, over their last few records. But in my opinion, I think Mallory have you know kind of retained a little bit more edge, um, especially on the live front. Um, you know, more than most of those sort of stagnant bands have and not to name names although I think I've you know done before on previous podcasts um but yeah this podcast comes out at a really interesting time for Mallory Knox uh all eyes have kind of been on them more than usual over the last few months after the band announced that they were parting ways with their front man uh Mikey Chapman back in February and alongside that bombshell it was announced that Sam was going to be taken over on lead vocal duties uh, having previously played just the bass and doing a bit of backing vocal, he's now doing bass and lead vocals. Um, and losing a frontman, certainly someone who has developed uh, an identity and become uh, and had become a band leader like Mikey did, it re- losing a frontman really has the potential to derail a band. And it's still early days, but I think and I hope that Mallory Knox are going to pull through and, and push forward from this. They've put out one song so far, uh, which I'll play in a minute, actually, and I think it's absolutely superb. Um, This being another one of the podcasts, which I recorded backstage at the Teddy Rocks Festival uh, back in May. I saw the band play shortly after recording this, and it was a really refreshing experience. I I love seeing Mallory Knox live every time, and um, it felt like there was an awesome change in dynamic for the band, and they had a shit ton of pyro as well, which looked awesome. Um, 
So yes, it's an extremely interesting time for Mallory Knox uh, in a very positive way. And so I was really very excited to to get Sam on Bitch and Brew. I'd only met him very, very briefly in passing before, but not really properly chatted to him. So, uh, you know, I was really looking forward to meeting him. Turned out, you know, he was a great bloke and very honest about the events of the last year or so, which I, I really, really respect. Um you know what, I think that's it for an intro. Let's get into it now then. As I've mentioned in the last few episodes, this is, there is a little bit of sound interference from the main stage um, at Teddy Rocks, but um, not to the point at which you can't hear a word that we're saying. But apologies in advance for that regardless. I hope you still enjoy listening to Bitch and Brew episode number 25 with Sam Douglas from Mallory Knox, which we'll crack on with right after I play the band's latest single, uh, the first with Sam on lead vocals, and I think he does a wicked job on it. I love this track so much. It's called Black Holes. So stick around for a chat with Sam right here on Bitch and Brew.
So this is probably why you want Dave. Have you met our drummer Dave? No, I haven't. Oh, he'd go off on a hell of a tangent, man. What, what, what sort of? He's just mental. What are the what are the van conversations that kind of drive each other <laughs> drive each other nuts? I think that because you've been doing it for nearly nine years, that my headphones go straight in after ten minutes. <laughs> I'm bored of all the tour talk. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I just leave. <laughs> it can be just the most mundane stuff, and it usually gets. It could be. It could be like the most mundane. It can be the most interesting, but at the most at the same time, it can be the most irritating thing. Yeah. When you just want to have time on your own. It so. could, and it'll always almost certainly lead on to either TV shows you watched as a kid yeah and then that or TV shows that are on now right and then they spoil it and I haven't watched it yet like like what who what was like walking dead like oh, I was, really? I'm still not finished it but Dave's like up to date and then you hear him talking about what happened in the last episode I'm like fuck man I'm not seeing that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I hate it I, well I, that's why I've pretty much given up on like Game of Thrones or oh, like mate, Walking don't, Dead don't give up on Game of Thrones <laughs> no? I'm not staying on that that's worth it oh okay that's worth it like, yeah. you can't give up on Game of Thrones oh, I don't know I'm, I'm so behind on pretty much everything yeah, but that the, isn't Stranger but things. that's the thing I have to watch it in bulk I can't, right. I can't do like the one episode a week kind of thing okay I have to literally go right there's a season here's two days yeah I'm going in and awesome. I'm watching it oh, hence why I'm always behind on Walking Dead because I can't watch <laughs> one episode and then wait a week I'm like yeah. I'm going to wait it watch the whole series what, and get I, it done. what I usually find is I'll watch an episode <coughs> every now and again and then I'll just have one afternoon where I'm like oh I'll watch an episode oh I'll watch two episodes <laughs> there it goes Oh, I'll watch about. I'll watch the rest of the series. I did that with Dexter. Oh, just did you like, see? Yeah. I never finished it. Another one. I've not finished Dexter. But it's one of the, this is the thing. I get like halfway through, and then I think I kind of get bored, and then I start a new one. So therefore, if someone starts talking about Dexter, we're like, shut up! I haven't, I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> it's my own fault. I never finished anything. Yeah, ever. Apart from I, Game of Thrones, I never got to finish. Um, I'm really into uh, RuPaul's Drag Race oh, on Netflix. See, you really needed Dave. Yeah, he's obsessed with that. <laughs> he's obsessed with uh, it. It's amazing. I never. It's something I never thought I would like, and that's incredible. And that's been taken I off Netflix. Know, well, I didn't know what it was at first. It should have been clean the name. I just thought it was a, like a race. I thought it was like a, no. a car racing thing that he was talking about. RuPaul <laughs> with literally waving the flag. Yeah, I, while I, in drag. I literally didn't. Because this is what I mean when you're in the van, you hear all these conversations. I just shut off. I just know he likes that program. I never yeah. knew what it was. Then I saw it on Netflix. I was like, "That's what he watches." Yeah, like, fair. It's America's Next Top Model with drag queens. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. I never watched that one either. America's Top Model. So no, I never liked it. No. So why I like RuPaul's Drag Race? <laughs> yeah. It's because they're just so dishy with one another. It gets right. so bitchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, like they go on to like children's TV shows or like your favourite films of all time. It's right. either TV or films. Yeah, it's that, a... that random conversations always. End it's up. TV, and then between me and Joe, it's football. But oh, okay. no one else likes football. Really. No, James does. He pretends to like it. I had that. I went out for dinner last night, and it was just me and one of our group on the end of the table, just talking about boxing and wrestling, oh, while everyone go. else was like, <sighs> "Yeah." Def- I'm normally that guy though. That's in a group of seven. I will be the one talking about something that no one else cares about. Yeah. And then when they're all talking about something, I'm normally the one that's like, "I don't care about this." So I'm just is, like, it, is it football usually? Uh, football. Football's my main sport. Yeah. Like I, I like sport in general though. Like. I like talking points in sport. Right, okay. I think in terms of like drama and stuff, mm. I think that's why the Premier League and that's so brilliant because there's so much analysis. Yeah. It just turns into one big bitch fest and everyone just likes to go <laughs> in on the ref or go in on the manager that lost or go in on the guy that missed the chance and it's just insane, like, especially with Twitter and stuff. Like. Yeah. I, 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 I live with my um, uh, with my girlfriend's in-laws. Right. Um, well, not my girlfriend's in-laws, my girlfriend's parents, my in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my girlfriend. It's that's not just me, me and her parents. Um, uh, but they, instead of what 
watching the football, they will watch. Uh, is it Soccer Saturday? Ah, uh, mate. I see, honestly, I swear to God, that I'll come live with you. I'll come live with you. That's because I'm a big Cambridge United fan. And okay. I don't actually go to watch the games half the time because I prefer to stay at home and watch Soccer Saturday. Really? And have a couple of beers on a Saturday. I don't. I don't. But, see you have the, <laughs> but you have the football at half twelve. Okay. First game. Yeah. Just Soccer Saturday, three o'clock. Half five, the evening game, and then seven o'clock is normally some Spanish really? game. It's great. It's like, don't have to leave my sofa for the entire Saturday. I'm a lazy piece of shit, though. You know? that's, 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 what I that's, that's what I hate about being like, uh, uh, I'm a huge wrestling fan, and uh, all the pay-per-views are on American time. Uh, mate, yeah, I know. It's the same with like the boxing and stuff. Like, so yeah. I watched that, but I watched that uh, Royal Rumble thing they did in uh, Saudi Arabia the other day. I did too. It's the first bit of wrestling I've seen since like Invasion. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was big on the Attitude Era. Right, okay. And, and I've only gotten into it in the last couple of years. Oh, uh, really? So yeah, and everyone says, you need to go back and watch Attitude Era. Yeah, Attitude Era was insane, but then they made the mistake of splitting SmackDown and War Up. Yeah. And I was like, I've lost interest. They they have the brand split again now, but they're bringing them together for all pay-per-views again. Oh, right, yeah. Um, But yeah, no, that great Royal Rumble, it was... As far as wrestling goes, it was shit. It was just a big advertisement, wasn't it? Yeah. They were not- never going to do anything like, because I was saying to Joe, like, imagine if they bring up Stone Cold or The Rock or something like yeah. that. It's like, well, they're not going to because no. they would have put more. Some some guy from NXT that even I've never heard of after watching NXT on like a weekly basis. Yeah. I've never heard of this guy. What's he doing in representing WWE in Saudi Arabia? That's the thing. And I'm a huge fan of women's wrestling mm-hmm. and that whole no women on the car yeah that was yeah it's I mean I've saw a few people as I said I don't watch wrestling but I saw a few of their female wrestlers like get tweeted onto my timeline yeah it is a bit weird isn't it? yeah Especially it's 2018 like with with the, we won't talk about this for ages, but with the organisation doing a big push on the sort of women's revolution, as it were, not calling them divas anymore, calling mm-hmm. them women, um, and uh, you know, putting them so front and centre for such good reason, and mm-hmm. giving them proper matches, mm-hmm. um, and then for Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to go, do you want two hundred million dollars? Women can't wrestle. Yeah, it's it is it's, it's backwards, man. Yeah, and it, it, I, I mean. Obviously, the money talks for that industry, but it is one yeah. of them things that I think maybe they should have looked at and gone like. Also, just very weird that the whole ringside area was just big recliners yeah. with, you know, the crown prince and his entourage. It, it looked and dead then, odd, didn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was, you know, people just talking on their phones while. They didn't know what was going on, probably. Yeah. Like Mark Henry walks out and they're like, what? Yeah, who? <laughs> yeah. They would literally go nuts for like Triple H and Cena, yeah, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Even the ones who are like over as fuck at the moment. Yeah. I, I don't get it. It, it was it, it was a shit pay per view. <laughs> Not even like the Undertaker would make it good. Yeah. It was, it was rubbish. I don't. As I said, yeah. like, I fell out of love with wrestling when I was like fifteen. <laughs> but Joe's got back into it a bit, so I kind of hear what's going on. But... Yeah. And I and I fell out of love with football ten years ago. Oh, so mate, yeah. I should have done. I support Cambridge United. Do you know what I mean? I should have fell out of love with them. As what soon as what I was... league are they in? League two. Oh, okay. We won five 0 today. Against Just like Port Vale. But too bad it's like the end of the season, so like we had nothing to play for. At least we ended it on a high. Um, Well, Sam, welcome to Bitch and Brew. I suppose we've been recording. I was going to say that's like the longest fucking intro ever. Yeah, no. You wanted a conversation, man. I've just given you one. Uh, Welcome to Bitch and Brew podcast. It's lovely to have you on. so you're not a very hot drinks kind of guy or is it just the hot weather I think it's the weather I think it's festivals I think it's time to get the ciders and the beer out yeah yeah, do you like the homely comforts though of a cup of tea sometimes my girlfriend's from Yorkshire so she's a Yorkshire tea girl so she's kind of 
pushes me into yeah. having tea at home. But she'd 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 tell you that I'm not really a big tea drinker. I'm not really big. Mm. I'm more coffee. All right, okay. But then again, it's easy to go get a Red Bull. It is. So, <laughs> I'm that. I'm that. I'm oh, that I guy. That shit. I know. I'm that guy. Unfortunately. But no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will if I. If, if it's like a Thursday afternoon and there's nothing going on. But if it's a Saturday daytime, Saturday I'll daytime, get Strongbow Dark Fruits. I'll be pissed by 5pm, yeah. Strongbow Dark Fruits, there's something beautiful about it. It's the weirdest thing because I feel like I was drinking that before it was popular. Oh, I do feel like it. And now everyone like claims it's dark fruit, this, dark fruit. I was like, nah, man, I've been drinking that for years. So. Yeah. No, yeah. We, uh, I was uh, good friends with a couple of guys in uh, Blitzkids oh, okay, back in yeah, the yeah. day. And I used to go out to Nantwich quite a lot to see them and the alcohol did flow kind of thing with those is that because there's them, nothing so. else to do in Nantwich I just because they're just fucking mad at really, you know? <laughs> nah you get together don't you you get together and you go like hang out for a bit because I live so far away yeah. I'd end up making a weekend of it and if I'm out with my mates we aren't going to sit there and drink tea we're going to go to the pub and have a few beers and <laughs> it's just how it is I, I do actually remember you turning up on, on Jono's YouTube Oh God, quite, really? Quite a few times, actually. Oh dear. We always a little bit uncomfortable with like, how, how do I? Like, I've got a camera in front of me now, like. Yeah, he went through that weird bit of like being a YouTuber, isn't he? But I don't know. I know it was awesome, yeah. but I can imagine if someone puts a camera in my face, I like freeze up. Yeah, I think if it was anyone but him, they probably, I would have just like put it away. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, thank you very much for being on Bitch and Brew, and I suppose it's such an exciting time for you guys right now. How, how many how many shows has it been? for you guys as a, as a four piece now because it's really you can yeah. probably still count them on your fingers yeah I don't think you? it's ten yet I think we, we just did a small UK tour mm. last week uh, I think this will be something like our eighth show yeah as a four um, how were you feeling on the, the first night oh terrible because I was alright no I was alright all day we got there sound check was sweet everything was really smooth did a bit of press had a couple of beers and I was fine but it's the first time we've gone on in is in right, monitors, we yeah, were always yeah. just wedges, I and mean, we still don't play to click or anything like that. We're still such a basic band in yeah, terms yeah, of like yeah. doing it, like no backing tracks, no simps, no like nothing. We go up there and we play. The only thing we've added now is in is. So obviously, first show is a bit of pressure because obviously I know like a lot of the people there are there to see us, but they are all kind of got one eye on whether I'm going to be able to pull this shit off. Yeah. And then before we go on, the inners just completely die. <laughs> so after all this, pra- we've been practicing for months with inners. So so they are so in ear monitors. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they, you can't hear anything outside. No, you can. Yeah, yeah. You can. You can get like yeah. So you basically, you know, when you play a show, you have like monitors and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just that, but in your ears. Right. Okay. Um, and it, it was ena- enabled me to sing better. I can hear more clearly. Right. And then so we've been practicing and practicing like, with that. And then five minutes before we go on, there's just nothing coming out. Oh, and I'm going. For fuck's sake, like the first show, it could, and it's already gone wrong. wrong, And we ended up being like 15 minutes late on stage, and I ended up going up. And for the first four songs, all I had in my inners was bass and no vocal, no drums, no guitar. So if my bass had been out of tune, I would have been (laughs) out of tune with the rest of the band. So luckily, our guitar tech made sure I was in tune. But it took like halfway through the set to like sort that shit out and. I tried my best to hide it, but I was a bit of a bag of nerves, actually, you know what I mean? But it, I'm, I'm, after, I, after the first show, though, was it... You felt yourself getting into... I felt myself getting into a bit more. I still feel like there's some shows that are better than others, and the crowd's definitely a big factor for me in how I perform. But it was anyway, before I was frontman. Yeah. I think the thing that I'm finding out is that you are 
there really to carry the show. What I say in between the songs and how I present myself on stage can literally rub off on the crowd. If I'm up there and I look like I don't give a shit or I sound like I'm struggling, I think that rubs off on the crowd a bit more than it would whether and when I was just playing bass and doing the backing vocals. But there were some shows where I really felt at home doing it. Manchester was so good. Manchester was one of my favorite shows you've ever done actually. Um, And then there were some shows where I kind of felt myself hiding behind that curtain of like anxiety that I get sometimes right, and fuck. shit like that but yeah. it's it's a learning curve man I ain't yeah. gonna be able to do this like that were, were you ever doing the front band thing in bands before Mallory when I was 13 and I played like three shows like and that was on the back of a lorry at my local village fate you know what I mean so no I'd never done anything I'd done like press I'd done like because I was comfortable with press because I feel like I know what I'm talking about with the band but to actually go up there and yeah I can imagine it's essentially be a perform like I've always performed but like to actually have to think about what I'm saying and have to be the lead guy and mm. of the show was was yeah it's no it's never going to be natural as I said I did my role in the band the backup singer and just the bass like yeah, for yeah. nine years and then to go into that role is is a it's a big change yeah. I have to adapt to it but I'm getting there I, I I do you know what I'm normally quite self-critical and I'm pretty happy about went on tour yeah. well I, I, you don't mind us talking about this do you like, like no, you no, know because no, no. um, uh, I remember actually you guys came into the Kerrang office when I was work experience there oh sweet and did a photo shoot with Paul Paul yeah. Harry's the yeah, legend yeah, yeah. that he is it wasn't the zombie one was it uh, it was the Halloween it photo was the zombie shoot one, where I had to the, I, I was in the office and they went who here is tall and I'm six foot four so <laughs> I'm quite tall we need you to wear a big black cloak and put a canvas bag on your head and we need you to stand ominously behind Mikey on a sofa while he's oh, watching the oh so TV. that was the one that he did individually yeah right. I think okay. it was Yeah, but right. I think all of you guys were there doing like a band photo shoot and that was for like an individual poster Might, maybe right, I can't yeah. remember like mm. days blurring to one you know? yeah absolutely so um, no I suppose um when you found out that Mikey wanted to leave mm-hmm. the band, um, how long did you have to kind of come to terms with stepping up to that frontman role to between actually going, right, well, I'm going to be the frontman right. and the first and show? And the first show. So when we decided that the way we were going to go forward with me as the frontman was probably around, I'd say we probably decided as a band around October, November time that that was the way forward. Right. So yeah, we had like six months between there and the first show to kind of make our live set work. But we were writing songs as a four piece for the majority of last year, to be honest. Was it quite uh, sort of, it had been a long time, not necessarily a long time coming is maybe the wrong words. Um, Did you know for a while that Mikey... Yes, like he started whispering about as soon as we finished recording Wired man like he literally as soon as we finished recording yeah I mean maybe a matter of weeks and he basically come to us and said not that he was leaving he said he wasn't happy and he wanted to figure out what was making him unhappy right. and if the band was it then he would consider his options yeah but I remember still being then a bit pissed because I was like you could have said that before we recorded the album yeah not after we'd done it but so, but I didn't really take that too seriously then because I mm. thought it's not going to be that it's going to be whatever so 
we were kind of wary from that moment to be honest but we did a couple of tours and I thought hey everything's sweet we're alright yeah and then because uh, I saw you on that tour with Lonely the Brave and Father Summer came yeah the headlines show yeah. and it was uh, you know you, you guys were on great form so I guess it, it came it came as a shock to a lot of people but um, yeah I suppose oh, the, the, the Wire tour was it was at that point if I remember rightly he he wasn't officially leaving at that point but we knew that he was he, he was having dads because that's always great yeah and that's and what I mean I saw like, you at 2000 Trees and in my opinion it was the best time I'd ever seen you guys. yeah 2000 Trees was great um, it was the tour we did with Simple Plan that right, was when okay. it, we knew that he was going for good so that was a hard tour Redden and Leeds was hard man because yeah. we were playing the stage that we dreamed about as kids again luckily like enough for the second time and it was a bit, bit sweet, really, because we knew at the end of it, yeah, we had one show after that, and then he was going. So, yeah, it was a weird year, man. Like, but we did the best with what we could. Like, we, um, as I say, like we we wrote as a four piece quite a lot, even when he was in the band mm. full time. Anyway, like that's just kind of how we've done it. And yeah. So that's why I think we were so interested in making sure that the first thing that we did was right, because that's what we've always done. Mm. So to try and get some grasp of like normality and like the weirdest situation, we just went to our rehearsal and we just wrote songs for days. And that's how really the decision came about into me being the singer was just because we'd written all these songs mm. and that was what made me go, well, I like it, they like it. The issue is now, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to figure out how to play the old shit. Yeah. So even though I wrote like all of that stuff, we changed it in a way to suit Mikey. Yeah, do you know course. what I mean? So we, it was weird. You always had to go back with the songs that you'd written and rewrite them back to how they were before Mikey got his hands on them, kind of thing. So yeah, it was weird. It was, it was, it was, it was interesting. It would, would would have been a lot more fun if there wasn't if there wasn't as much pressure as well there was right, at the same okay. time. Like I enjoyed it, but in the back of your head, you're always going, "This has to be good because if not, this band's fucked and it's over." So. Yeah, oh, that's got to be like a that's got to play on the back of your yeah, mind. Well, I had like a few months ago I thought I'm done like when he said that he was leaving I was like well, I don't know if I can yeah. be asked to do this like I'm 20, <laughs> 28 now so it's 27 and I was like you know I was like I'm not 20 anymore yeah at 28 it's- I always thought when I was 19 I'd have a kid by 28 and it's like so when that shit happens and you go do I really have the time to potentially rebuild something here or do I just completely start fresh and you think about family you think about what else you can do to progress your own life instead of potentially being stuck in a hole so that was I went through all that thought process before I came to the decision that Mallory Knox was still the thing that I wanted to do yeah so yeah it was definitely a weird time man do you feel like doing the going back to the sort of shows that you've done so far going back to the the toilet circuit as it were because Mallory Knox obviously been together nine years now yeah Mallory, obviously at the time I got into you guys around the pilot EP, um, was about the time that you guys were sort of coming up from the the toilet scene, yeah, yeah. as it were. Do you feel like going back to those smaller stages is a really good chance for you to sort of recut your teeth? Yeah, yeah, well, def- 100%. I mean, even before Mikey said about leaving, this was something we were talking about two years ago. Mm. So I think it's like... As soon as we did like roundups, we were saying like, "Fuck, it would be cool to do like a one week's run of shows where we go back to these venues where we literally yeah. play to the promoter and his girlfriend and, <laughs> and go back and actually sell them out and get the because there's something different like Roundhouse, one of the best nights of my life, Reading and Leeds, some of the best shows of my life. 
but there's something different about playing to 200 people in, in a shithole yeah that is just perfect like, until, until someone crowd surfs on stage and breaks on your pedals well this is the thing when we got back into playing these small shows he was, he, all of that shit comes flooding back like now I remember why we were so desperate to like play bigger venues it's like <laughs> but you can embrace it this time around because there's actually people there yeah <laughs> when we did it with Pilot like yeah we were on the up but we were still only playing to like 20-30 people a night and that was a good show yeah so yeah we but we were talking about doing that with Mikey and the band anyway so obviously with all the stuff that went on it made absolute sense to try and find a gauge because we're not stupid yeah we know Mikey leaving will affect Mallory Knox and how people perceive us lose fans people might not be into it anymore because Mikey was their thing his voice whatever it was a big 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 attraction for Mallory Knox yeah. we're, not, we're not naive but we needed this tour to figure out where we're at what we're capable of at this moment in time there would have been no point us going into a 1,500 cat room and yeah. playing to 400 people no one wanted that have you been tempted to play during a sort of stage dive slash crowd surf I'd love to but I don't trust myself especially with a bass yeah. I, I'd, I'd just be terrified I'd either knock myself or someone else out and with the internet being how it is these days I can't be that, asked that, that kind that, of backlash so. that, that's appearing online in seconds yeah yeah gone and uh, I just uh, you'll become a gif by morning <laughs> <laughs> it, but uh, my my actually to me actually performing though, I've had to really like take a step back from how I act though if you ever watch this back like in the day like you had James and Joe kind of had their sides and Mikey had the middle and I was kind of like the guy floating around yeah really, so I was the guy just running jumping fucking doing everything so I guess you've had to kind of change your posture a little bit because I, I, I have to breathe to be able to sing <laughs> so I, I had to like figure out right, funny if, that if I'm, but this is yeah. the thing like I have to I have to be able to sing so I can't run around anymore because I'm not as fit as I was when I was 21 anyway <laughs> so I've lost, the, I've lost the fitness but I've also gained having to sing every fucking word now instead of and just so that harder. is why you need Red Bull that's why I need Red Bull <laughs> wait this is the thing with like I used to have a few beers before I went, into the, uh, yeah. went, to, went on stage all the time I've had to cut beer out I know I am today but it's a, it's a one off show it's not you like you can't turn tour. down free festival Red Stripe <laughs> exactly it's so warm but um <laughs> Yeah, I figured out after two two days on tour that I could no longer drink beer and cider. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? Because it's, it's not like I'm an alcoholic or anything like that, but I like to have a beer yeah, to give you that oomph when you go on stage. Like, as I say, like anxiety is a big part of my life. Um, and to do something like that, I need a little bit of extra help. Yeah. Just to get my mind, like not loads, just one or two, just yeah. to calm yourself down. Like people smoke and shit, I quit smoking, so... Um, but then I realised that beer was no longer the answer because my throat was getting dry and after two shows I was losing my voice. So, to... so you were able to drink beer and did, did you just try and cut beer out off tour as yeah, well? Yeah, cut beer out off tour, which was which was interesting. <laughs> uh, so I had gin and tonic instead. Oh. I don't mind a bit of gin and tea. So yeah, just... absolutely. Have you been to the Bombay Sapphire Distillery down No, Because but... are you based locally? Or... No, we're Cambridge. Cambridge, Cambridge like... okay, yeah. But we come here, the, the thing, the hardest part is we played the show in Exeter. And when we recorded Asymmetry, we, we stayed in Bath. Right, okay. And down the southwest, obviously, southwest loves the cider. And I'm a big cider fan. Yeah. Like, so we we, play, we had this thing opposite where we were recording. This place called Stables. Okay. It was like a pizza and cider and pie speciality wow. place. So, yeah, I, I loved it. I was there every day. <laughs> um, but when we came back, there was 
a stables opposite the venue in Exeter and I was like and there's this one specific type of cider there that it's called Devonshire Blush and I'm obsessed uh, yeah, with it like buy, buy draft that has to be by draft you can buy the bottles online yeah. but when you get it from draft it's amazing you can't get it in Cambridge the only place I seem to find it is Southwest. so we played Exeter and here I was going I'll have no beer inside before a show and there was a stable and I was like um, you've got to be kidding me I've not had a Devonshire Blush in like five years and now I can't even have one now that I'm here do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, I, I, I remember I had a friend who worked in a pub once and they had a, a beer and cider festival. Yeah. And at the end of the day, all the leftover stock was just distributed among the staff. And I was like, such a shithouse 17-year-old. <laughs> this is the thing, like, I'm a, if we ever get offered to play a beer and cider festival with Mario, I'm going to have to turn it down. Because <laughs> there will be no show. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be doing, like, keg tosses off the <laughs> stage. I will, I will play well, I just won't no, sing well. Yeah. And that will be the issue. <laughs> I will have no voice. Um, yeah, he, he brought home this big box of scrumpy. Oh, wow. I like the strong shit as well. And we were, you know, teenagers drinking bottles of Bulmers or whatever, you know. The, Nothing the, wrong the, with Bulmers. The, the fruity ciders, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that we were drinking around like 17 years old, about five or six years ago. That <laughs> yeah. was such the thing at that point. Yeah. And I remember he came with some scrumpy, and we are just drinking it at the same speed that we would drink these sort of 4% oh, ciders. Yeah. Absolutely Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing with that stables, they give you like uh, one third pints or quarter pints of five ciders of your choosing. I just used to go there every day. I was like, try that one, try that one, try that one. I've oh, like tried the, that one yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Like, I just wish stuff like Cambridge isn't cool, man. My mum's like lived in Devon for years, so I just said to her, I'm going to fuck off down southwestern. She's like, why? Like, cider. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Just, yeah, cider. just cider. Cider. Fuck Love family. It. I don't care if I see them. I'm just going to go down there and <laughs> drink cider for the rest of my life. <laughs> I need to stop talking about alcohol because my mum will listen to it. like, you've got a problem. Man. Have it. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about black holes. Yeah. Um, how how has it how has it been to see it just go down such a storm? Because personally, I think it's perhaps the best track you've done. Oh wow, thank since, you. Since since uh, since the debut album, people have been and saying that. People a lot of people have said that it sounds like old Mallory, which is great, but it confuses the fuck out of me because I don't think it is at all. But I like that people can find that connection. That's that's odd. I wouldn't have thought of it as old Mallory. I, I think people like think something like, totally new for you guys. I think it's just because it's a bit f- faster again, maybe mm. a bit heavier in places. I don't know, but to me, Black Holes is an absolute pop song. Yeah, it's just because this is this is what confused me when people say like, oh, it's heavy again. It's like, have you heard the intro? It's like that is like a pop intro. Like, yeah, it's boppy. The, the 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 lead guitar line is dancing all over the place. The beat is it's like mm, so. Sh- it, 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 it made it. There you go. It's essentially Hanson. <laughs> Hanson came on the radio today. It was awful. I was having a lovely countryside drive here, and, and Radio Bop One decided to play Umbop. Wait, that's the, how can you moan about that on a day like this? It's sick. No, Umbop would be the one. But no, Black Holes. Is, it was it was interesting. I was I wasn't nervous releasing the song because I was nervous about the announcement. Yeah. So when Black Holes came out, after three days of reading everyone's things to say, I was at the point where I was like, if people don't like it, I've already read mm. negative comments and positive comments. Like, I'm emotionally drained at this point now. So I just wanted to get the track out there, and whatever people thought about it, it didn't bother me. Yeah. Um, but Black Holes is a song, like, yes, the reaction's been great, but it wasn't, and probably still wasn't the song that I would have come out with first but no. 
<laughs> there you go. But I like being proved wrong. But is there is there other stuff written? Yeah, there's so much stuff written. Like, yeah. and the thing is, like, if people thought black holes was different for us, like, wait till you. Because this is the thing. I had so many other songs that I wanted to come out with, and management and our new record label, like. Yes, it's great, but if you put that out now, people, you're going to alienate potentially a lot of fans because that is so different to anything you've ever done before. And it's like, yeah, but that's what excites me. But them being a lot cleverer and smarter than me, they're like, we have to ease that shit in. Yeah. Let's come back with black holes. You have holes to wait until you go full handsome. Yeah. So that's what we're going to come out with. Like, we've we've gone like R and B meets like deathcore and shit like that. That's what we're going for. Now. Oh, that's. Nah, we're just um, I I wanted to come out and shock people. That's what I wanted to do mm. because, really, what else could we do? We've already shocked everyone anyway. Yeah. With announcing that Mikey left, so I was just like, I don't give a shit. I just want to put out the best song we can. But as I say, in hindsight, people know what they're doing. And Black Holes is probably the right decision at this point because I remember freaking out though, talking to our manager. And I was like, going, at this moment in time, though, mate, Black Holes doesn't even get on the record. Yeah, and he was like, "Well, we're, oh fuck!" Yeah, that, that, I'm sorry, that's I just what, went yeah, and then when that sort of just well, that's in. where I was with it. So yeah. when they said that, that because the Black Holes was the first song we wrote out of the new stuff. So I don't know whether maybe to me it already felt old, and I was doing that typical person in a band that's like, "No, but this one I wrote last week's better." You need someone to come in with fresh ears and be like, yeah. "Look, I know that's old to you, but that's still good." Mm. So yeah, when when we brought it out and stuff, it was um, it was probably the first nice thing to happen in our band for like a year so yeah I'm glad people liked it because if people didn't then I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but turning like our only positive thing that we had into like something negative would have just I just been like fuck this but no it's been good man we've been opening with it and the crowd seem to have taken it well and yeah it's, it's been fun so there you go, Bitch and Brew, episode number 25 with Sam Douglas of Mallory Knox. Uh, thanks to Sam for his time and his company. Uh, thanks also to Sarah Maynard over at uh, Major Press for uh, making it happen in the first place and to the team at Teddy Rocks as ever uh, for being awesome and accommodating Bitch and Brew over that wonderful weekend. Um, Mallory Knox's latest single, you heard it earlier, it's called Black Holes. Uh, you can pick that up now on all the usual digital platforms. And the band have been posting some photos on social media recently of them in the studio. So fingers crossed we'll hear some more massive Brit rock bangers from them very, very, very soon. Um, in the meantime, the band are playing 2000 Trees Festival next weekend. They're playing the Friday on the main stage. Well worth seeing, as I mentioned earlier, and on the 2000 Trees special. Um, speaking of which... To deviate from that slightly, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who listened to and shared the 2000 Trees preview uh, episode last week. Within just seven days of it being released, it's become the third most played episode of Bitch and Brew um, of all time, which is just crazy in, in, in one week. So um, thank you if you listened to it, to all the cool bands and listeners that, that shared it as well uh, with their friends. And thanks again to James McKinnon, uh, who was my guest for that show, for, for being a part of that. Um, but back to Mallory Knox. They're playing an intimate headline show at the Frog and Fiddle in Cheltenham on August 30th. Uh, then the following night, they're headlining the first night of Wilkstock, which is a charity festival in Hartford. That's on August 31st. And then the very next day after that, 
They are in Torquay for Burn It Down Festival, which is taking place at the Foundry. Um, so that's on the 1st of September, and I'm sure a full UK tour is due very, very soon. So go and do the right thing by following them on all the socials so that you don't miss out on any news. Um, speaking of following, as in online, not actually stalking someone, uh, subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it, or even if you didn't. I put Bitch and Brew out on uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Acast, and the link to subscribe is in the description of this episode, as are all the links to follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, to uh, give me a thumbs up on Facebook, all that jazz. And hey, if you are in a band and you have new unreleased music that you'd like to premiere on Bitch and Brew, uh, then get in touch either on those aforementioned social media platforms or indeed uh, via email. Just hit me up on b.brewcast at gmail.com and I'll see what I can do for you. Uh, that's your lot for another awesome episode of Bitch and Brew, if I may say so myself. I'll be back in a, a few weeks' time. I've got a couple of episodes still to release uh, featuring the likes of Palm Reader and, uh, and Wallflower as well. And I'm about to record a bunch of special episodes at 2000 Trees Festival, which is uh, just over a week away at the time of recording this. So make sure you're subscribed. Don't miss out. Don't be a knob. Um, thanks for listening. This has been Bitch and Brew. And until next time... Peace out.